Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Today's film is a pretty fresh and recent one. It came out in February of this year called Eloise. Now, Eloise flew completely under my radar. Did it go directly to video, or was it actually released in the theaters, Craig? Do you, what do you know about this movie? I know very little about it. I assume that it must have gone direct to video because I had heard nothing about it. In fact, um, the only reason that I came across this movie is I just happened to uh, – well, I was at work, and I had nothing to do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind, of, kind of a long story. Uh, I don't usually just sit around at work watching YouTube, but um, anyway, on this particular day, I had nothing to do, so I just searched full horror movie on uh, YouTube, and this popped up. And I had never heard of it. I had no idea what it was. I was surprised to see that it was 2017 and it was uh, available on YouTube. It's since been pulled, so I'm yeah. sure it was uh, posted. <laughs> I'm sure it was posted illegally. But in that small window when it was available on YouTube, I, I watched it because I had the time. And that that's it. I mean, I had, I had never heard of it at all. I had no idea it had even existed, um, which kind of surprised me because it's got some big names attached to it. Yeah, it does have, uh, to be fair, a bit of that direct-to-video feel to it. That that might be one of the criticisms yeah. that I have of the movie. But you're right, Chase Crawford is in it. I think mm-hmm. he's uh, been in Gossip Girl. He has a billion roles, yep. he, at least 19 on, on IMDb. And he has the kind mm-hmm. of face, it looks, it's that common face right now, like everybody looks like Chase Crawford. Uh, yeah, handsome got, young guy. Yeah, yeah, dark and and you know it's like Thor and uh, yeah, he just looks he just looks like uh, about five or six different actors, uh, and then um, sure, Eliza Dushku. Yeah, and she's been in a yeah. number of things as well. Oh, I love her. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of hers, and that's really the thing that hooked me to get me to watch the movie. I thought if she was attached to it, she was in it, it couldn't be that bad. <laughs> I guess that <laughs> remains to be seen. We'll see. Um, but yeah, she, uh, of course, most people probably know her from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was Faith uh, on that, and she, she reprised that role on Angel, the spinoff. And then she worked with Josh Whedon. Uh, she worked with Josh Whedon again on Dollhouse, but that was... Um, short-lived but yeah she's been around she's uh, worked in the genre she was in the original wrong turn uh, so she's she's worked in the genre and, and I like her she's gorgeous she's tough um, she's a cool girl so I was I was that that hooked me that's what got me to watch the movie and even uh, the vi- the villain in this case is Robert Patrick and I mean here's a person who if, if you don't recognize his name you totally recognize his face he's been in like every movie I think just every movie he has a part in it <laughs> yeah, he was the he was the badass Terminator in Terminator Two. He's mm-hmm. yeah, big guy. Yeah, real cool. So yeah, you've got these stars, and then the director uh, is Robert Legato, who is a visual effects whiz. Uh, I think this was his first directorial right. effort, uh, or at least the most recent one. Um, he's directed some TV shows, but but no, no movies until now. But uh, Titanic, he did the visual effects. Apollo thirteen, Hugo. Yep. Sadly, mm-hmm. probably not. A fantastic debut movie for him. <laughs> yeah, and I was kind of surprised by that, you know, because he worked on, like you said, those big movies like Titanic and Apollo 13, uh, the new Jungle Book, which got, you know, rave reviews for its effects. So I'm thinking, oh man, we're in for something good here. Um, sadly, I, I feel like he, he must have been kind of constrained by the budget. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because maybe. While, the, while, while there's, you know, there's, there's good attempts at visual effects here um it just doesn't seem like it had the money behind it to really be great 
Well, I sort of felt actually like the visual effects were maybe the standout part of the movie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was watching this and I seriously, I was expecting something super low budget. And I and a, clearly it was low budget, but either the technology's getting better or this guy had uh, some friends and some tricks up his sleeve because I was pretty impressed uh, at how it rose above a little bit uh, the typical kind of visual effects, transitions and things like that that you get on what I, again, assume uh, is a straight-to-DVD movie. <laughs> right. Uh, I know that some of the parts that um, most uh, intrigued me about the movie were the bits. There are a lot of flashback scenes and things, but the transitions between them uh, are, are kind of inventive, and I'm sure we'll talk talk about some of that as we go a little later but uh, everything else about the movie honestly was not terribly inventive <laughs> no not really and and i i think you can probably tell from our tone already that we're not super impressed with this movie but even before i started watching it i looked at some of the reviews and the reviews were not great frankly i i don't think it's that bad you no. know i i think that it's it's uh, it's a it's a fine movie it's decent it's not great it's not particularly unique or original basically what it comes down to is a haunted asylum and it, it uh you know you've we've seen those movies before and this doesn't do a whole lot different than what i've seen before with those movies but really the thing that i found most intriguing about this movie <laughs> really is not anything to do with the movie at all, um, but it's rather just the uh, history behind the title, uh, Eloise, which I, I had never heard of this place before. But apparently this was a real uh, asylum in Michigan, and uh, the movie opens up with this text across the screen that says, Eloise was the largest insane asylum in the country. What started as one building in 1832 grew into 78 buildings covering 900 acres in Westland, Michigan. Rumors of inhumane testing and treatment of patients administered by Dr. H.H. H. Grice and a devastating fire officially closed Eloise in eight, excuse me, in 1982. Only four of the original 78 buildings still stand. And that idea idea of this this bizarre history of this asylum slash hospital that really became its own town yeah i mean it was so large it had its own post office it had its own zip code it had its own tavern and uh fire department and and police station and it really for a very long time from the 30s to the 80s existed as this odd community. And, and I found the history just absolutely fascinating. Uh, of course, everything that happens in the movie is fictionalized based around that historic place. Yeah. And like, what is it about Michigan? Did they like give off tax credits or something back in the day, back in the 1800s for building as asylums and mental health facilities there? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, no idea. No idea. <laughs> Kellogg, you know, Kellogg had his big um, famous place there as well. It was a big sprawling kind of estate thing. Uh, pretty interesting. So yeah, anyway, uh, clearly a slightly different history um, from the actual history of the facility. I think that was kind of funny, actually, about the film. A bit of a punchline for me, but I think we'll get to that uh, later as we continue to talk about it. But yeah, the movie opens up with kind of a bookend. And honestly, in my opinion... A pretty unnecessary bookend. You know, usually with these kind of bookended tales, there's kind of a punchline at the end or some kind of point to some kind of extra reveal when, when you have this kind of thing. And, and there really wasn't for this movie. Uh, in fact, all it really did was serve to tell us what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I thought so too. I mean, it, it just kind of felt like an unnecessary spoiler, you know. Yeah. Like the the first scene we see is is kind of a, I guess a flashback scene. It's supposed to be at the asylum, and there's this 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 patient, this male patient, and it's all in black and white, and he's talking to his doctor. I, I just want to say, Doctor Grace, that I'm feeling a lot better. 
today than I was yesterday. And yesterday I was feeling better than uh, before that. And tomorrow I'm gonna feel better. Doctor, please, Lori, help me. Doctor Grace, I'm fine. <laughs> of course, you know, this is supposed to horrify us because he's receiving this unnecessary treatment or whatever. Uh, and then I, I feel like there's kind of some news reports on the fire that destroyed most of the facility. Uh, and it talked about how Dr. Grice, the guy who's played by Robert Patrick, who ends up being our villain, how he was killed in the fire. Um, and the news report talks about how they're the locals still to this day hear screams from the, the remains and, and, um, still see apparitions, uh, and ghosts. Um, and then you get to that, that wraparound that you talk about where we see this young woman, uh, her name, ends up being Pia, played by Eliza Dushku. It appears that she's in some sort of facility, an mm-hmm. asylum or a hospital or something. You, you assume it's maybe an asylum because it appears that the windows uh, are barred and, and those types of things. And she's visited by a detective who comes in and tells her that kids found Dell's body two days ago. Of course, we don't know who that is yet. We find out soon and says, we also found your brother uh, Scott's remains. All of this is just exposition delivered through this doctor. He says, you know, because it was such an intensive gas explosion, we had to look at the dental records to identify these guys, but uh, we were able to do that. And he says, but we didn't find Jacob. Uh, <laughs> again, we have no <laughs> idea what he's talking about. And, and then he pulls out this this case file and he says it's from a previous patient and it appears like he pulls out Jacob's birth certificate and some sketches, but we can't really see what these sketches are. And then it just cuts to the title Eloise. Um, and then we start out in what we assume is present day, um, with this guy, Jacob, who's a mechanic getting a call from his dad's lawyer. And like you said, you know, the, the wraparound, the bookend, uh, ultimately, you know, in the beginning, I didn't really know what was going on. I'm like, okay, intrigue. That's great. But then as soon as we're introduced to Jacob, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to get too invested in his character. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we know, we know how this is going to end up. Yeah. Um, but, but that's, yeah, that's where the, the, the plot begins. That's right. I also like the sort of, uh, deadpan delivery of oh by the way we found your brother's body <laughs> there's no like yeah. <laughs> sorry for your loss <laughs> i know this must be hard for you <laughs> right it, it is kind of funny and it's all kind of convoluted the setup is pretty corny uh, jacob is working on a car apparently he owns this body repair shop or at least he works there and he gets a phone call and the phone call is immediately it's from a guy who introduces himself as his father's lawyer and he says, well, I haven't talked to my father in two years. And once again, he's like, well, your father's dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he died like two days ago. And uh, we, we need you to come here uh, for the funeral or for the reading of the will or something. It, at first, I thought he said, right. we, we need you to come here for the funeral. But later on, we find out that the funeral happened like two days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was kind of strange. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, even though your son is and you might be estranged, like you're dead now. People are going to contact your son. Somebody has to take care of you, you know, at the end. Family members don't just get called long after the funerals of their of their immediate family. You know what I mean? One uh, would think. Yeah, one would think. Uh, anyway, he ends up leaving immediately. Even though they've been estranged for two years, and even though apparently this funeral's already happened, he immediately packs all of his things, hops on his motorcycle, and just leaves the car he was working on <laughs> um, to go to Detroit. And yeah. uh, ends up in the 
office of this lawyer. And the lawyer, again, uh, gives us a a big pile of exposition. He's his only heir since he doesn't have a, a, a mother. He doesn't have a sister or anything like that. And so he's going to be getting his money. And Jacob says, well, I'm sure that's not very much. He says, oh, it's a sizable amount. There's $1.2 million in an account. Uh, however, in order to release it, we need to settle up, I guess, this, this other potential relative. There's an aunt that he had named Genevieve Martin, and they need proof of her death. So everybody assumes that she died at this asylum because guess what? She was a patient there, I suppose, but they need confirmation of her death and there never was a death certificate or something like which that. is stupid it's so dumb yeah, like it's like it's, it's so convoluted and stupid like that that wouldn't happen no. like, right <laughs> like, like if, if 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 she was presumed dead and nobody knew where she was like oh sorry we're just gonna hold this until there's proof and, and you're responsible for providing that proof if yeah. you want the money <laughs> like, <laughs> right <laughs> okay and by the okay, way well then i'll just run over to the hospital and get the records like <laughs> it, it's, it's dumb you know but that's i, I guess that's that's the plan like that's what he's going to do but before he does that he goes to his dad's house and it's like this big fancy house Super and uh, y- you can tell that all of this is is set up for something but it just it feels kind of clunky and and in talking about it really i'm being more critical than i was at the time because it all goes by very quickly it's not like they linger on it a long time or anything but he goes to his dad's house and he finds this weird box like i couldn't tell what it was it looked like obviously some sort of memory box or something but it had holes popped in the top of it for some reason Mm -hmm. uh obviously that we'll find out later and he opens it up and he pulls out like a long ribbon don't forget about that ribbon. <laughs> he, he pulls out a ribbon and then he, he finds some pictures, uh, presumably of uh, his aunt. And, and there's pictures of the aunt. She's this pretty blonde lady. And the, it, it seems like there's also maybe pictures of a nurse or something. The lawyer had told him that his dad had um, killed himself uh, by, by slicing his throat with a straight razor. And Jacob like finds the razor like with in a pool, pool of blood. Like, of like blood. this was supposed to have happened like last week and like the blood is still fresh and like nobody cleaned this up or anything <laughs> in the meantime oh, man. there are these creepy noises like happening around the house behind him that are supposed to be spooking us and as he pulls up this razor and kind of looks in the mirror and it's that it's that thing where he sees his own reflection but he sees it as his father you know they're sort of trying to draw this some connection or something like that suddenly a guy in a ski mask surprises him from behind while he's holding the razor. Holy shit! What the fuck are you doing with that razor? You scared the shit out of me. What the fuck are you doing in a ski mask? Look, I saw the lights on, took a chance. Like I was fing with you, okay? Did you hear about my old man? Yeah, man, I'm sorry. Hey, don't. Yo, Come here. Uh, what? Are you scared of a little straight <laughs> razor? It's <laughs> like, what? There's a guy in a ski mask behind you. But apparently through the ski mask, he recognizes, you know, in a split second that it's his friend. Yeah, no, it doesn't make any sense. In (laughs) fact, what I got from this, I think that what we're – the way that I pieced it together is this guy was his friend, but this – I, <laughs> like I'm stumbling <laughs> over it because it's it's so ridiculous. Like I think that Dell, this guy who's played by Brandon T. Jackson, uh, handsome black guy, um, 
like, I think that he was really there to loot the house, <laughs> but it just turns out that his friend happened to be there. So he was like, Oh, well, since you're here, I guess never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another way to interpret it. Well, right. And, and, and Jake, and like Jacob almost <laughs> thinks it's funny, like, ha ha. Like <laughs> at one point he asks him like, Hey, what time is it? And Dell's like, I don't know. And, and Jacob's like, Oh really? You can't check that watch you lifted from my dad's house. And he's like, Oh, uh, well I just picked that up. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, and he's like, oh, you I just thought it, that it was so <laughs> Yeah. I just thought that it was hilarious that Jacob didn't care at all that his quote unquote friend was there to loot the house and and just kind of got thwarted silly but whatever yeah so they end up at a bar uh and this is again so so convoluted they end up at a bar and so they're sitting down and there's a bit of byplay between jacob and the bartender who at first i thought oh this is somebody he knew he's really super flirting with her and he asked her for a drink called the last word and uh-huh. I thought that was, like, meaningful. Like, I like the last word, but it truly was a drink, I guess he was asking for. And then she just hands him the drink menu and says, oh, that's really funny, and hands him the drink menu so that he can, you know, do something that she actually knows. And she comes by, and she gives him the drink, and then she walks off. And, okay, okay. so as after this all kind of plays out, you realize, no, he was just flirting with her. They don't really know each other. Am I right? I'm right about this, right? I have no idea. It was really unclear to me because they seemed to have a familiarity. You know, it, it seemed like we were going to find out that they had some history, like maybe they had dated yeah. in the past or, and or, or something. But no, and, and and they kind of seemed to kind of remain familiar throughout. But there's never anything to suggest that they knew each other. I don't know. I don't know if that was just the writing or. Mm. I, I I don't know. I I think you're right. I think that they don't have a history, but it was it. It remains unclear to me. So as he's sitting there and he's talking with his friend and, and his friend's like, oh, man, I'm in, I'm in a whole bunch of trouble. And he's like, well, how much trouble? He's like, 20 G's trouble. He's like, 20 G's. Oh, man, uh, that's terrible. And he says, well, I might be able to help you out. And he says, well, you mean you have 20 G's just lying around? And he says, no, but I have 1.2 million I'm supposed to be getting, but I need this birth certificate or this death certificate. And if you can help me get it, you know. I guess I'll share the money with you. And at this point, I'm thinking, why does he think he needs any help getting this death certificate? The lawyer just told him that there's an administrative office still open at this long-closed insane asylum for reasons I don't understand, right. but oh well. Uh, yeah. And So he just mm-hmm. needs to go get it. So that's – as far as he knows, as far as anybody knows at this point, it's as simple as him driving down there and getting this file. Now – we're also supposed right. to assume that this is like, I guess, 1957, where people can't just make phone calls or fax things or email things back and forth. He's got to physically go and pick this up. So anyway, he's, sure. they have this deal. Okay, he's going to help him get the death certificate. So he drives uh, his bike to this place, and he goes in, and this is, sure, sure enough, it's kind of a fully staffed office, but it's clearly um, pretty well dated in the technology that they're using. This woman's like typing on a typewriter and stuff. And she goes and pulls pulls the file out for his aunt, hands it to him. He looks through it, and the car, he's about ready to leave, but then he uh, he sees that the one thing that's missing from the file is the death certificate. It says it was remitted to the annex. So he goes back in, and he's like, what's this mean? And the woman says, oh, 
oh yeah, yeah, the death certificate's like in our annex. It's like our top secret, super secret files um, that are closed to the public. Um, and it would need a court order in order to get this out. And he says, well, how long would that take? Oh, five or six months if we're lucky. And again, right. I was thinking back too to the to the, what the lawyer had said to him earlier, and the lawyer had suggested that without the deaths, without the certificate, it would take him about five or six months, right, to get the money because they'd have right. to go through some other process. So right now, at this point in the story, he's facing a potential five or six months to legitimately, either way, get this one point two million, right? So yeah, like which which for one or two, which for one or two million dollars doesn't really seem like that long to no, wait. Like, it doesn't really. <laughs> like what's the point? Okay, all right, we'll sit on it. We'll go through the process. So right. I, I was just gonna say I didn't want you to skip by this too quickly because like I feel like this movie leaves a lot of loose ends that I I just didn't understand because after Jacob asks this I don't know receptionist lady all about this stuff and she she gives him the info then as he tries as he leaves she's like oh wait a second but he doesn't and he goes and she's filling out forms and it looks like she's filling out an admissions form for jacob yeah and you know she 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 fills in his name and then like next to you know what is he suffering from or whatever she said she fills in acute claustrophobia which we've not heard anything about It, it comes up again later but like it's bizarre that never really comes up again and it never really is explained like is this whole hospital somehow supernaturally influenced like are even the living people who are still working there like somehow i don't know it's bizarre it doesn't really make any sense Mm, yeah and and then you're right he runs into this guy who in the imdb credits is just credited as the raggedy man um (laughs) and and they just have this like little encounter like he backs up his car and i think he hits the guy's cart or something like shopping cart and then he just like he talks to the guy briefly and that's just it and i'm thinking well this guy's going to come back around it's going to be significant in some way and the guy does show up again later but just for a second and like it's not explained like i i don't understand how he's connected in any way yeah. it's a little bit clunky a little bit it's a lot clunky actually and and you know as we talk about it and we're being kind of down on it you know we're making it sound terrible and i i it's not terrible it, it's no. it's very much on par with the kind of direct-to-video stuff you see yeah uh, you know the kind of stuff that pops up on netflix that you've never heard of or the kind of stuff that pops up at the red box that you've never heard of and and in that genre you know of those low budget movies that you've never heard of that you just pick because there's literally nothing else mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it, with with in that genre it's actually pretty good like yeah. the quality is pretty good compared to other movies of that type yeah um, other low budget movies so so folks if you're getting a really negative impression i i kind of want to dispel that a little bit because it's not awful you know i didn't feel like i had wasted my time watching it but be aware going in that it's it's certainly not a perfect movie and and there are going to be questions left hanging that are not going to be answered for you yeah, and, and that, if that's something that really bothers you, then maybe avoid this movie. Yeah, and that's part of it. You know, is we're, we're talking about it retrospectively. When you're watching the movie, you know these questions are being raised, and you think, 
oh, okay, they're building some suspense. Clearly, this is going to mean something. Clearly, this is going to mean something. Oh, what is this? I expect to to have that figured out by the end of the movie. But you're right, those loose ends just kind of end up dangling. And so the things that you at first attribute to mystery and suspense turn out by the end of the film to like... Yeah, just like red herrings. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. So, but anyway, so... So Jacob goes back to Dell and says, oh, I couldn't get it or whatever. And Dell says, well, I've been doing some research and there's this guy online um, <laughs> named, named Scott who's super into Eloise. And as luck would have it, he lives in our hometown. So we've just got to run over to his house. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and that's, that scene is so funny because it's so contrived. I mean, first of all, the two of them are sitting in, in this man. It's a mansion of a house. Like this is – this is like Bruce Wayne's manor is what the interior of this place yeah, looks yeah. like. And they're sitting by a fireplace, and they're obviously having a couple drinks. And it's at this point in the conversation – I mean, you imagine that he called him up. He said, hey, let's go over. Let's meet at my house. They go in. They sit down. They pour some drinks. It's nighttime. They're chatting. And the whole reason for them to get together and talk, suddenly now they're talking about it. <laughs> you know? Right. He, he didn't just call him up and say, hey, dude, I couldn't get the, I couldn't get the things. Uh, he says – so, did you get the stuff? And he says, no, I didn't. Mm-hmm. So what are we waiting on? Look, people break in that place all the time just for fun. Yeah, but how are we going to find the f***ing annex of all places? This man called me crazy. I've been doing some research. Check this out. And again, the fact that Dell has done research on this place is totally unnecessary. Because as far as Dell and anybody knows... All that Jacob had to do was drive to the office and get the certificate. That's right. So there'd be no reason for him to have done all this research. But anyway, he does. And at this point, I'm looking at the mansion around them, and I'm thinking, all right, what is the rush? Okay, I guess maybe it's because you're trying to help your friend out. But I thought, surely you don't really want this house anymore. I figure by the time you sell it, you're going to have a lot more than 20 grand in your bank account that you can hand over to your friend while you wait for that $1.2 million. Uh, But, you know, anyway. It gets us moving on the story. Yeah, it does. I mean, and, and you know, when Dell says he's done this research, like he's pulling up things on the internet, and like there's video, um, and it, I'm not really sure how there would be video of this stuff if it was really that long ago, but whatever. Um, but it shows uh, Dr. Grice talking about his methods, and his methods are what they call confrontational therapy, which I have no idea if that's a real thing or not. But basically what it comes down to is forcing people to face their fears. And by that, what they mean is, okay, so if you're afraid of spiders, we're going to put a lot of spiders on you. Mm. Or if you're afraid of, you know, whatever it is uh, that you're afraid of, we're going to make you confront that. And that's supposedly going to cure you. Of course, it all just looks very sadistic and terrible. And medical practice at that time, we look back and some of it does seem sadistic and terrible. I don't know. I assume these people had their patient's best interests in mind, but I I don't think that that's what we're supposed to think here. I think we're supposed to think that this doctor, Dr. Grice, um, is really just kind of a sadistic guy who wants to torture people. And and so that kind of sets us up for some stuff later too. Yeah. But they they go to this expert's house because, you know, he's just down the street. Um, (laughs) And uh, the guy's name is Scott, and he's this young guy played by an actor named P.J. Byrne. I didn't recognize him from anything, but it becomes clear very early on that he is in some way – uh, I don't know. It, it, it seems like he's on the spectrum, like he's autistic yeah. or, or has Asperger's or something along those lines. And so they're talking to him and Scott is all excited because he wants to go and he's got like schematics for the, for the building 
buildings and stuff. So they're going to be able to find it. And then as luck would have it, uh, Pia, the bartender, shows up, uh, and it turns out that she is Scott's sister, and <laughs> also coincidentally, it turns out that Pia and Scott's mom was a nurse uh, at Eloise, and she just mysteriously left for work one day and never came home, and Pia says something like, so I was basically left to raise my brother. Now, <laughs> what we see later is that when the mother dies – Pia couldn't have been more than like six. So are we supposed to believe that six-year-old Pia raised her autistic brother? Like, uh, what's his brother? Okay, what's her brother even born then? Because she seems older than him. Yeah. yeah, well, it's it's yeah, it's pretty hilarious. I also like the fact that they also feel the need to break into Scott's house. Like, they what did they knock on the door or was the door open and they're they're going through it before they he surprises them i don't know you know what i'm talking about <laughs> there's that whole bit where they're your prowl- guess is as good as mine they're prowling around in the dark in his house and they're seeing all this creepy equipment you know it's like again they don't flip on a light or anything but they've got their flashlights and there's like ooh, there's some stuff in jars oh here's this creepy medical equipment what's going on and then scott like has been hiding in the corner this whole time and like flips on a light behind a like a mannequin or something in a wheelchair and like like he planned this surprise for them it was again it was just another another odd setup for one of those pretty standard go through the creepy right. house and then be surprised kind of moments you know well it's just like let's create tension here just because like yeah. it's not really necessary like they could have just knocked on the door but instead let's have people creeping around in the shadows and another thing, you know, again, we talked about how it's, it seemed like Jacob and Pia had history and like, it almost feels like that here too, because when Pia comes in and she's like, what are you doing? Why are you talking to my brother? And blah, blah, blah. And Dell kind of says, oh, we just need him to take us to the hospital. And she's like, oh no, absolutely not. Uh, and, and Jacob's like, okay, just a second. And he takes her out in the hallway and he's like, but I really need to get in there. And she's like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right. I guess if you really need to. That's a pretty but, accurate assessment. <laughs> yeah. But but nothing better happened to him and I'm gonna come along to make sure nothing happens. Like yeah. she just she just gives in immediately. It's kind of silly. And so they go. I mean and, and I guess that's one good thing about the movie is that it keeps moving. You yeah, know, it, it's it's not true. boring, it's not slow, it does keep moving. As unrealistic as that may be, the action keeps going, and I do appreciate that. But also by this point, we kind of know what's gonna happen. We've got all the characters that we heard about before. Uh, yeah. All together, and we know that Jacob's going to be missing. Dell's going to be dead. Scott's going to be dead, and Pia's going to be yep. in the mental or wherever you know, right. answering questions. So it's also like a little, uh, you know. And if there were a, a point by the end of the movie for revealing all that early on, it it would have been okay. But as it turns out, it's just what happens. <laughs> so right, <laughs> and. And and so they they go right away, and I don't even remember what the context of this is, but like, it's one of those things where in literature you would 
just call it total crap because it, it's so obvious. Like when <laughs> is that when the, when is that the technical term, teacher man. <laughs> exactly, total crap. Because when foreshadowing is so obvious, like it's not even really foreshadowing. You know, like yeah. you shouldn't be able to figure out what's going to happen immediately. That that removes all sense of mystery. And um, I I feel like as as they're walking to this place and they get there right away and they're just walking around outside. I feel like maybe they have to go inside somewhere that's dark and 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 Jacob is uncomfortable going in there and it You okay? Yeah. I uh, just a little claustrophobic. You know, no big deal. Everybody's afraid of something. I don't do needles. Oh, I wouldn't say afraid necessarily. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, then I'm sure claustrophobia and needles will never come up in this movie about conversion therapy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That is exactly for what we're doing. me in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. And and once they get in there, then if you've seen a haunted insane asylum movie, you've seen it from yeah. here on pretty much. <laughs> you really have. Because I don't know, it's not even as exciting as one of those cuz it never Yeah. Uh, every scene that kind of happened, I never got chills like once in this movie i never not, no not really and, and i was watching into the dark in an apartment not at work on you on youtube at my desk yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like uh you know they're going through the uh, the insane asylum and you know this was filmed on location in eloise mm-hmm. and i thought that was cool i knew it in advance Me too. but honestly they could have been anywhere because it's so yeah. dark and they're just shining lights around. You're just seeing staircases and occasional flashes of wall and stuff. And Scott has this one of these things. I actually kind of like the character of Scott, and I loved that scene Me too. where they were introduced to him because he's like flipping off the walls like a giddy schoolboy about going in there, and he's running around the room, and he's like, and, and they used the first X-ray was developed there, and he like pulls an X-ray off the shelf, and he's like, oh yeah, and then they used to experiment with this, and he'd go over and like get a tool off, and and it's like they're all they're all looking at each other like this guy is crazy. I can't believe we're going along with them, and it reminded me a lot of the original Independence Day. You remember the guy who's like super on UFO about UFOs? Yeah, um, played yeah. by the guy who play data or whatever and he's just like so giddy and excited that all of this stuff that he had been learning and all this conspiracy theories and stuff that he'd been figuring out over the years are finally coming you know to life and becoming useful and so like that was really neat about scott and he's got this phone a cell phone with a camera in it that he said he removed the uv filter from it so that the phone only shoots uv which is total bs um it yeah. shoot, like everything and also UV. If you remove the UV filter from it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's dumb. Basically, he's trying to he he's trying to justify the fact that we're going to see him using this infrared camera on his like Nokia. <laughs> like, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and and this, you know, the the whole I I guess there's like 20 minutes when they're in there just like looking around and like they find spooky pictures of the patients and um, they, they find all this weird stuff like babies in formaldehyde in jars. And um, they find this place where apparently they've kept 
uh, all of the ashes from the crematorium and um, Scott spills one of the jars of ashes and it oh, like yeah. smokes mysteriously. Like, I don't know if we're supposed to think that that like unlocked something. <laughs> I know. Or... I was like, I was thinking sorority babes in the slime ball bowlerama as soon as that. Happened. Oh yeah. I was like, Oh totally, man, totally. He totally. tipped over the, the bowling trophy of the insane asylum. <laughs> you know, he let, he let the spirit loose, but it, it's really not clear. Like at the end of the day, if that had any significance, because there's so many of these little things that just kind of happen that are just in there. Right. And even his camera, like barely, like he's running around with it and he is holding it up and you kind of see images. And then a little later on, as he's holding it up more and more in a room, he's seeing more. It looks like, I mean, if you were looking at this camera, you'd be freaking out because you right. see movement of figures in front of you that are clearly not there. Yet he's just like excited about it. Right? He's just like, oh, like he's moving it around. Like, oh, I can see the ghosts. I can see the ghosts. Um, but he doesn't say anything to anybody. No. Like, he just kind of giggles excitedly. Yeah. <laughs> so nobody else knows what's going on. And, like, they're walking along in the hospital. And, and just weird things are happening. Like, um, a, a, a security monitor comes on as they walk by it. Of course, they don't see it. But, like, when the security monitor comes on, it looks like things are happening around them as though it's ghostly stuff or stuff that happened in the past. And, and like, we're seeing it through the monitor. Um, and it is spooky. And, and I, I have to say there was at one point, um, like Dell drops the watch that he stole from Jacob's dad. Oh, yeah. And when he drops the watch, I don't know if like, the watch breaks, but it looks like time stops. And then there's a flashback and we see, you know, it's, it's either black and white or like sepia tones or something. And, and we see orderlies beating up a guy. And then, um, the, the guy in the flashback or whatever it is grabs the watch. So it's like these different time periods are existing concurrently or, or maybe it's just all haunting stuff. It, it was a little reminiscent to me of the remake of 13 ghosts. And, and while I don't think that's a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, um, I actually mean that as a compliment. Like it, it was kind of, it was spooky and, and it was kind of cool stuff going on, but without any explanation, without, you know, we don't know, is this place, haunted uh all the time um is it haunted on just this particularly you know this particular day because scott knocked over the ashes what they're looking for of course are those files and there's lots of scenes of them just going through files which is real exciting um <laughs> but eventually eventually they find it which again is absolutely impossible you know yeah. like this is just this horribly rundown place with like millions of file cabinets and <laughs> but eventually they find it and when they pull it out they're like oh here it is they find the death certificate and they're like so she died may 5th yeah it's 30 years ago to the day <laughs> <laughs> exactly and it's it's the indiana it's the indiana jones arc storage uh warehouse of record rooms that they have i mean right. it is literally like a giant warehouse with filing cabinets in it and and of course it's in this completely abandoned building and everything's in complete disarray and i'm looking at it and i'm thinking these are the top secret sealed documents that you need a court order to get <laughs> No wonder you need a court order to get them. Like <laughs> it's probably just they for need safety five to reasons. six months to find it. Right. 
yeah, it's pretty silly. And you're right. And and while they're looking at records and people are looking at records, everybody's just like Scotty wanders off, and so she starts looking for him. And it's just a whole big excuse for them to waste a lot of time. It it, it ceases to become about looking for the records, except for Jacob. And everybody else is just wandering around either exploring or looking for someone else. Or, ooh, I heard something. Right. What was that? Well, I mean, it, <laughs> it makes a little bit of sense, I suppose, because Scott is so interested in the history. And so it makes it, and, you know, he his mind wanders. So it makes sense that he would be kind of exploring. That's fine. And Dell, we know he's a crook. So it kind of makes sense that he would be looting, which is basically what he does. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And, right. and Scott, eventually he kind of sees a you know, a ghost or apparition through his little camera. And he, he finds a picture of himself and it appears, it looks like a picture of him being lobotomized. And then he turns around and there's like this ghost orderly and he gets scared and he like backs up and then he falls through the floor, like down several stories through the floor onto a gurney. And then there are these, I don't want to say spectral because it's not like they look like ghosts, you know, it's just actors, you know, but apparently I guess he has fallen through time back in time or, yeah right or 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 it you know into this spectral realm and they take him into this room and they lobotomize him uh yeah. the the doctor the bad doctor dr grice um does a frontal lobotomy and, um and that's it like yeah <laughs> and Scott's it's dead now <laughs> it, it's honestly not even that scary i don't know i guess it's just because Again, it's like he's fallen through time, and so here he is. He's pushed into the room. They do this lobotomy on him, and I guess at some point he dropped his phone camera, infrared camera thing. And as he's being lobotomized, we're seeing images in the camera, and the last image is, okay, you know, he gets it pounded through his eye or whatever, and an orderly or whoever it is, you know, attending to the surgery yanks it out of his eye. But then we see the same scene through the camera, and it's just Scott. It's It looks like Scott pulling it out of his own eye. Like he himself, like, lobotomized himself. Like he was, you know, having these delusions or whatever, the ghosts and whatnot were in his mind. But in the at the end of the day, the only person in the room was actually him. But... That also doesn't make any sense because the camera is supposed to show ghosts. It's not supposed to show the absence of ghosts. So I was kind of confused. I was thinking, oh, is this happening in his mind and there are no ghosts there and that's what it's trying to tell us? Yeah, Yeah. and as it turns out, that doesn't appear to be the case. You know, it appears to be the case that these, you know, physically manipulate their environment. Um, (laughs) It's clunky. But like you said, in the moment, you just don't care. Like you just kind of go along with it, whatever. Okay. You know, what's going to happen next. And what happens next is, um, Dell is looting basically. And he kind of finds a nurse's station or something. And he finds a medicine cabinet, but he has to break the glass to get into the medicine cabinet. And he does, and he's pulling out all the medicine, but then he realizes that he's cut his hand pretty badly uh, in breaking the cabinet. And so I guess he thinks that whatever medicine is in the cabinet (laughs) must be an antiseptic (laughs) without reading it. (laughs) So he just pours this jar onto his hand and, and then the camera, uh, closes up on it and it's lsd it's it's a <laughs> it's a jar of lick of lsd and he just pours which, it on us <laughs> which would be probably like hundreds of doses oh my of God. LSD yeah. that he's pouring into a flesh wound <laughs> 
and, uh, so then he goes, okay, so Pia and uh, Jacob have found the records. They want to get out of there. They're looking around. They can't find Scott. They're looking for Scott. They eventually find Dell, and Dell's there, and it only takes a few seconds before he starts to freak out. And again, it's the whole, you know, is he is Dell now seeing ghosts because he's tripping on LSD, or are the ghosts really there? Who knows? Who cares? But he starts seeing ghosts. And he freaks out and he pulls out a gun and just starts shooting haphazardly everywhere. And uh, he takes off running. He and Jacob uh, run off trying to find him, but they can't find him. And Dell ends up in this room. And I don't even remember how this happens. The room floods. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I've, Somehow. I don't know. Well, he see he stumbles across a giant glowing cross, or, or or and a bunch of people like inmates, and we're seeing visions. And all of this that we've been talking about with Dell and everything that we talked about with um with uh, Scotty has actually been happening concurrently. Like it's been cutting between right. these two things. And so we're an hour into the movie, and it feels like we've had nothing but build up to this point. Like. I was waiting for, you know, the axe to fall. Uh, And it just took so long. It took so long for for Scotty to finally get lobotomized and for Dell to finally drown in this flooding room, which was totally unclear. You feel like you're getting built up. Like you you still, even when these two deaths happen, you still don't know exactly what's going on. And we're already like an hour into the movie and we don't have a clear sense, you know, of, uh, of what we're looking out for. You know what I mean? Yeah, and 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 I feel like it, it's at this point that it really kind of takes a turn, and it just becomes full on supernatural. Pia and Jacob find Scotty, and Pia freaks out for a second, <laughs> and 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 then they then they just try to run away, and they you know all of a sudden it's like they're thrust into the past, and all of these. Um, orderlies and nurses and patients are around and like they witness you know something going on like in a day room and i i couldn't even really understand what was going on like it's like the orderlies and nurses were like dancing with the patients and some of the patients were like oh nude gosh. or semi-nude and <laughs> and and <laughs> like I, that scene is hilarious because it goes on forever like the camera swings dramatically around the two of them as they're all like back to back looking around the room and the room is turned sepia tone, and around them there's all this, you know, these, like every stereotype that you can imagine of an inmate in an asylum. Bad teeth, crazy laughter, drawing weird paintings and pictures, missing limbs and deformed arms, any one of these things is happening all around them. And it, it, it keeps switching between all these crazy images and this camera continually whipping around them, and uh, Jacob's like rubbing his eyes like, what? And then it's like, it goes back right. to a guy painting creepy painting and then we're back to him rubbing his eyes again going what am i really seeing this and like, it goes back and forth like six times and i'm like man this scene has gone on for like five minutes <laughs> and ultimately you know it was just to kind of i guess show us the horrors of what was going on in the asylum and, and once they've witnessed it wide-eyed for five minutes they run outside and we had seen earlier that like there were guards or cops patrolling or something like they had had to hide at one point when they first got in there. And so 
Pia runs out. I feel like Jacob, for some reason, gets caught up inside there. But Pia runs out, and there's and when she runs out, she runs out into real time, and it's raining, and there's a cop outside, and she says, "My friend's in there. Can you please go get him?" And uh, the cop runs inside, and then all of a sudden, the rain stops, and it flips back into old timey again, and a cop comes out with Jacob, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and they end up being sat in the cop car for a little while before they end up going back in. And I'm sure there's more to it than that. I don't remember. It's not really important. They get back in there and this is where pieces (laughs) start to fall into place. I guess they end up in this like surgical theater. Pia is strapped down in there and um, Dr. Geis is talking about the conversion therapy. We have two interesting case studies today. This patient suffers from an acute form of claustrophobia, the most severe and frightening of which is specifically the fear of waking up and discovering that you're buried alive. So when his anesthesia wears off, he'll find himself in a morgue drawer, forcing him to face his ultimate fear. Perhaps you're wondering why he's gagged. Well, when he comes to, we wouldn't want him to wake the dead. (laughs) Pia is afraid of needles. So I'm going to let the nurse take over because I've got an important birth to deal with. And then there's a terribly disgusting scene of Pia just being stabbed repeatedly with these huge needles and i say stabbed they're stabbing her in the arm but it's gross like (laughs) i i guess i have to give it some uh credit for the effects here because i was cringing at this point i don't like needles either and you know they're just they're stabbing these huge needles into her arm and and it looks pretty real It's, it's pretty good you know, it looks like this might be a scene, an actual scene from the past that they're reliving because it, it occasionally goes up to the, you know, the students who are up in the theater watching this and they're one by one kind of getting up and walking out disgusted. Right. Um, like, like this was maybe an actual demonstration. And so I was thinking, uh, it, it, again, at this point, it, you say it becomes totally supernatural. I felt like the movie mm-hmm. became like a time travel movie. <laughs> because yeah, it's you know there, it's it's not like it's going back and forth between these flashbacks and the real world at this point. It's all flashback supernatural that they're in, and she manages to escape. She ends up yanking her restraints out of the chair, grabs a needle, stabs a nurse, pushes another one down, and runs out. And then so <laughs> so we're in this right this supernatural world, that ghostly mm-hmm. world that they're supposed to be in, and she like is in the hallway of this asylum and there it's really busy. There are people going back and forth and she grabs a nurse's uniform and goes into the toilet mm-hmm. changes. And now she's able to sneak around the ghosts by being dressed as a nurse and acting normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just tonally it, it just totally changes to this like sneaky heist kind of movie. Yep. Yep. And, and the thing that I was thinking about, you know, like she's running around, she's dressed as the nurse, whatever. Eventually she gets Jacob out of the morgue and they're both kind of running around observing what's happening and we see some important things, but the whole time I was thinking, oh, so I guess she's just fine now after like being <laughs> the needles. totally brutalized with the, she's fine. She's over it. <laughs> like right. her arms are cool. She can push her on a wheelchair. No big deal. Um, but okay. So, so now they're, they're both out and they're just kind of observing what's going on. Um, they see uh, Jacob's aunt or she's like in uh, a delivery room. And that was another thing. Like 
they had said earlier that Pia's mom had worked in the nursery. And I'm like, why do they need a nursery in an insane asylum? Like, this doesn't even make sense. Mm. Now, historically, the real Eloise was originally a poorhouse, and then it became an asylum, and then it was also a hospital. So uh, I guess, fine, in the hospital part, they had a nursery or whatever. Mm. But um, this woman is uh, giving birth, and we know that it's Jacob's aunt because we've seen her before, and she's giving birth, and uh, Geis delivers the baby, and then he goes away. And then this nurse, who we've seen in pictures, we know is Pia's mom. Ooh, look at all the pieces falling, falling together. <laughs> <laughs> Pia's mom goes in there. And at that point, like, I, I feel like Jacob just figures this out somehow easily that this woman was not really his aunt. It was really his mother. And he had been born in there. And like, he goes in and has a heartwarming moment with her before she dies. But then as the nurse is coming in, like he slips under the bed or something. And, uh, the, the nurse, I feel like Pia's mom or no, excuse me, Jacob's mom whispers something to Pia's mom. And then Pia's mom says, don't worry, Jen. Uh, this is one baby who won't grow up in this place. I don't care who his father is. I'll call your brother right now. And then she leaves and we see that Jacob's under the bed and we see that Genevieve is bleeding out and blood drips through the mattress because you know why wouldn't it so um, much blood. into jacob's mouth <laughs> did, did you notice that that the blood dripped into his mouth well, like <laughs> i'll tell you i'll tell you what i noticed was that this guy who's claustrophobic seemed to have no problem hiding under the bed <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah okay okay so then uh, genevieve dies and the nurse puts the baby in this box oh we've seen this box before it's the box from earlier on and she she pokes holes in the box before she puts them in there and she puts the baby in there and she she uh pia apparently had been at work with her mom that day um the brother scott had said sometimes mom took you to work okay so <laughs> we were remember that and um so she puts the baby in this box and she she takes the hair bow out of pia's hair remember told you ribbon important and she uh ties up the box and she gives it to pia and she says there's going to be a man outside waiting take this box out to him adult jacob and pia I, i i don't know why but jacob decides that he needs to start the fire the fire that that, the that took down Eloise. Um, and so he starts it and they, they try to run out and Pia gets out and Pia sees herself as a young child, give the box to Jacob's quote unquote dad. But for whatever reason, Jacob gets grabbed by an orderly and pulled back in. And then immediately it pops back into the present and there are real life you know, real time firefighters there and real time cops there. And Pia's like, my friend's still in there. You got to go in him. She, go get him. She tries to run back in, but they won't uh, let her in. And then we cut back to the bookend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. And, uh, and and that's it. I mean, the, the bookend doesn't tell you anything. The detective just throws his arms up in the air and says, what really happened to Jacob in that fire yesterday? She doesn't respond. He's like, all right. He, he leaves the room. She opens up the box, and she goes through the photos, flicks through flicks through a bunch of drawings of all of them. Yeah. And I'm not sure where those right. came from. I'm not either. Why would there have been drawings of them in that box or in that file? Like, yeah. like the Genevieve, the mom, 
had been like <laughs> psychic <laughs> and I, had 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 sketched them all you I, know back in her day i feel like it was supposed to be like some because we saw drawings similar to that when in during that weird scene where they were um you know the room was spinning around them and they saw all the um crazy people drawing and painting and but again it, it would be way too supernatural for you know something like that to be there now in this scene it it just it would have more significance and she's just kind of tossing him in the box as she's, as we're hearing the voices of previous dialogue that was said in the movie as though it were significant. Um, and it's really not. Uh, and then we get a, a, a closing shot basically of Jacob who's back. Apparently when he was pulled into the building, he was pulled you know, back into the past and he's back in his morgue spot, you know, screaming in his box and the doctor uh, is back in his asylum, and a nurse comes by with a certificate. Is it an? an a, it's like a death certificate or something. I it's, think it's a birth certificate. But, oh yeah, it's got his name on it, Jacob's name on it, and the doctor circles, born alive but now dead. Right. And he hands it back to her, right. and she smiles, and he walks up the stairs, and then we get, <laughs> and then we get. <laughs> This film is dedicated to the memory of Eloise's former patients, their their families, and the staff of Eloise. This isn't that nice. <laughs> this heartwarming tale <laughs> is dedicated to all the wonderful people who made this happen. <laughs> like what? <laughs> and then, and then I, I'm sure that the I'm sure that the families are are very thankful. I'm sure they are. <laughs> Especially when you wait through the credits. Did you wait through the credits? No. At the very end, <laughs> I kid you not, at the very end, uh, there's a notice. It's back where it says no animals were harmed, you know, in the making of this picture. Right. That far into the credits, it says, During the operation of the Eloise Hospital Complex as a sanatorium and hospital, it was considered one of the foremost treatment centers in the world. It was well known and respected for its ethical and charitable treatments of its residents. While Eloise is an actual place, the events and characters that were portrayed in this picture are fictional. The producers acknowledge that this fictional storyline does not reflect any method of treatment or care that was provided by the faculty during the time that it was operating as a functioning sanatorium or hospital. So That's hilarious. It, what a lovely tribute. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> as a tribute to the hardworking staff of this well-respected institution, we made up a bullshit story about a doctor <laughs> who terrorized and mutilated patients. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, gosh, that's funny. Oh, my God. Oh, it's funny. Oh. I have had a really good time goofing on this movie with you. I really have. It's been a lot of fun. It's been some good laughs. But honestly, folks, the, it, it, the movie, it's as not terrible. A, a relatively low-budget horror movie, it's not that bad. No. You know, I, I didn't. I, I don't regret watching it. You know, it, it, it held my interest for the hour and a half. The acting was not bad at all. No. It was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, the, the the cinematography was okay, pretty good. Some decent effects, some interesting things going on. It, I have a feeling that it didn't look or feel as cheap as it probably actually was. Mm. Um, and so I have to give it some credit for that. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that too. We've seen so much worse, and uh, it's, oh yeah, it, 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 the the worst thing you can say about it is it's kind of pedestrian. Sure, uh, the, except for the fact that Eloise just had clearly had a lot of great material to mine. I mean, what a fantastic location and a great hospital history. Yeah, even if it was a whole total bullshit story about it. Um, right, right. It's kind of a letdown in that way, you know, that it ended up yeah. being kind of what it was. But I enjoyed watching it too, and I didn't walk out of it really angry or upset. It just, it just felt like kind of a clunky mess yeah and, and and really if anything it piqued my interest in the actual history like i'm i'm legitimately interested in going and reading more about this place because it just seems like such a fascinating place um so i don't know <laughs> let's go craig <laughs> this road love, trip <laughs> right the, <laughs> i would go i would totally check it out i think yeah. it would be neat because I, I guess there's only like one or two buildings that still stand but they're still operational now they're not hospitals or anything anymore I, they've housed businesses and like law offices and things um but uh there's a couple of the original buildings still standing where they filmed this um and i guess the ruins of some of the buildings are still there too and um it, it would be kind of a cool place if you happened to be in Michigan and happened to be in that area, you know, such a, such a big place obviously affected a lot of people, a lot of history there. That's interesting. So I at least appreciate the movie for bringing that into my consciousness. And I probably will, uh, look into it a little bit more. Don't worry. I won't bore you with it, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, for me, I took that away from it. I I didn't not like the movie. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was great. I, I thought it was fine. You know, it was entertaining. Lots of loose ends, lots of plot holes, but uh, not boring, quick paced. Horror fans, I, I would recommend it. You, you're looking for something to watch on a Saturday night. You can't find something else. Go to the Red Box, pick up Eloise. I, I don't think that you'll be terribly disappointed. Yeah, but I mean, were you ever scared? I mean, was, was no, there anything no. remotely scary about this to you? The you needles. The yeah, needles were freaky. That was, that was freaky. Yeah, and especially if you don't have a thing for needles, that would scare the heck out of you. Uh, who I has mean, a thing for needles? That's true. <laughs> Ooh, like, who some people. stabbed? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I, I'll say one thing. You know, it, it, it kind of fell short of some interesting directions it could have gone in that I, I thought – by the end of the movie, that they were trying to imply somehow that these characters had a role in their own history. Yeah. yeah at the uh-huh. point at which it, he is the one who started that fire in 1980, you know? Yep. And he has that moment with his mother. You can almost imagine his mother, you know, seeing him as a ghost. And But <clears throat> that wouldn't make any and, – and then even when the doctor, you know, signs that certificate saying, but now dead. But it, it doesn't. I mean, it can't – it can't be that way because that would then mean that Jacob now doesn't exist. You know, it's, it would it would have to be one of these weird paradoxes that wouldn't play out, right? You know, in the in the in the bookend where she uh, Pia still knows about Jacob and all that. So, yeah, it was right, and because and because the movie is so new, and I think it's going to end up being so obscure, um, we'll probably never know what the original intentions are. I, I, I think that you're right that 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 is interesting and you could read that in that they had some impact on their own history and maybe there was more of that intended and, and for whatever reason it just didn't play or, or because of edits or whatever it didn't come across um, and we'll probably never know uh, yeah. <laughs> sadly the secrets of Eloise are going to remain locked up forever the secrets of <laughs> Eloise yeah I, I do think that 
there was some potential that was not fully utilized, but uh, I, I didn't hate it. it. It was it was what it was, and it was fine, and it was entertaining at work for an hour and a half when I had nothing else to do. And um, so, if you're if you ever find yourself at work, <laughs> high in Eloise, high praise from two guys in a chainsaw. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, thank you again for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can also find us on Facebook, where we encourage you to let us know what you thought of this film, what you thought of our assessment of it, and also let us know what other movies you'd like us to see. We do requests fairly often on this show. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys and a Chainsaw. (laughs) 